This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Morena no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo irarangi o tangata o Manawatu. Uh, it is a Thursday morning, and that means we turn our attention to local government. And on the phone this morning, Mea Tuarua te Kunihira o Papaioia, Deputy Mayor of Palmerston North City Council, Alicia Rutherford. Good morning to you. Morena Fraser. And uh, I uh, thank you and all the listeners for their patience as I grapple with Toreo. It's an ongoing struggle, but I will get there. Um, it's, I'm trying to think the last time we caught up with you. It's probably over a year ago, uh, given the, the nature of, you know, 16 councillors and once a fortnight. Um, you have a particular passion. I, I, I want to say for the fringes of, of the Palmerston North uh, city boundary. Obviously, you are a resident of uh, Ashurst uh, and very passionate about about Ashurst, but I guess that extends to maybe other similar-sized communities. Uh, for example, Bunnythorpe. Uh, how are things going in the in the the, the outlying areas? Yeah, I think pretty good. Um, I think we have a um, we're in a pretty good space of um, letting our you know kind of niche communities be themselves. And so you know, we've over the past we've we've done. Um, village identity work and let kind of, you know, Bunnythorpe and Longburn and Ashurst really identify for themselves what their priorities are, what's important to them. So um, one of those things for Bunnythorpe has been the um, community centre, which was recently um, had its, I guess it's not an official opening, it was blessed and it's now available for use, but um, under the current alert levels, we can't really do a big shebang. So we haven't quite done the official opening. That'll be, it. we'll do a community um event in the new year but um, it's available now and so that's been a really exciting project that Bunnythorpe has seen come to fruition. And that's been quite useful I guess for them because they are um, really trying to to mobilise and and demonstrate unity um, with the the City Council for example when they they pitched for that sort of formalised community board which the the Council decided not to honour but at the same time they're trying to unify over the Kiwi Rail Freight Hub and the I guess the, the what they say is the lack of information and, and understanding around that process. So they've got they've got a focal point to do that now. Yeah, well, well, they've actually they've always been really good at organising themselves, and so um, Bunnythorpe has had a um, community Bunnythorpe community committee for years and years and years, you know. And I think that stemmed out of when they were a part of Manawatu District Council, ensuring that their voice was heard around the table then. Um, and that they kind of, yeah, as you say, had that unified voice. Um, I think, I mean, we've certainly heard many different views coming from the Bunnythorpe community, but one thing that that committee does um, do is give a lot of weight to ensuring the voice of um, the Bunnythorpe community is heard. And so they're, they're very active, um, they're very well organised, and, yeah, I think, I think they've been quite um, vocal, particularly 
um, with certain views around um, not supporting the Kiwi Rail development. Um, but, but they're so good at organising themselves, and that's, that's one thing that's really cool to see, particularly in smaller communities, because it does give them um, leverage to, to have a voice. Mm. I mean, our small communities um, a, a, across the board have uh, some issue or other. Uh, Bunnythorpe with the Kiwi Rail Freight Hub, uh, the sort of uh, Whakarongo um, area with the, the five dips and, and the roading there, and of course Ashurst with the uh, replacement gorge route. Um, although that's slightly different, I would argue, because it appears that the alliance group uh, who are doing the new gorge route can do no wrong. Every step of the process seems to have gone uh, fairly well, notwithstanding some Ashurst residents will probably still be upset with the disruption, but it seems to be going in the right direction. Uh, can the same be said for some of the other areas, or does there work, is there work that needs to be done there? Oh, look, I think we're, I think we're always open to hearing how communities want to organise themselves. Um, there used to be, um, you know, somewhat regular meetings out in Longburn, but my understanding is, is that some of the people who had sort of taken the leadership role with those had, were no longer living there. And so that makes it difficult as well when you kind of have community champions who really hold, you know, they're the glue in, in some of these groups. And when they, um, when they move on, then there isn't always that, um, I guess, healthy tune to be having other people come through. So I, I don't think, I don't necessarily think that, that you know, our outer-lying communities don't have a voice. I would absolutely say they, they do. Um, but we've really left it to them around the organising. So, so Ashes, for example, which um, Ashes I'm quite familiar with, um, we, we used to have the Ashes Action Group, and the Ashes Action Group still exists. It looks very different, and we've had groups like Recap come through, which have provided a really clear voice on particular issues. Um, we did have some community meetings, which I was running for a while, and then they sort of ran its course. They went for about two or three years and then kind of, um, yeah, ran its course. Um, we have got a community, well, we've got community representation involved in the Alliance Conversations, um, and so we do have, you know, business, residents, um, school, those kind of things um, involved with the alliance. And I think that's probably where you get to the point where you say they can do no wrong is mm. because they do have a direct voice in there. Mm. Um, certainly, some of our wishes have taken a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, we, do, we do get heard and we do have that direct link in. And you can kind of see where, you know, some, some level of organised groups um, Give your platform. We've, we've tried it a few times with Ashes, and it hasn't hasn't quite worked. And I think as well, I mean, Ashes is a um, is a changing community, and we're kind of working out the tension of um, its identity still. So yeah, it's in a really interesting space with lots of growth. Um, well, that, that's that's the. That's the thing, isn't it? Because Ashurst calls itself a village, but when you drive from up on the hill like I do uh, down into Ashurst and see the sprawl, it, it's not a village anymore, is it? <laughs> you know, we, we had this German au pair a couple of years ago, and she lived in a village, and she had 180 people in her village. And I always I always laugh at the, the you know, what is the definition of a village? Because it means different things to different people. And and often the conversations that I have with people who are trying to protect the village identity of Ashes, it's actually just more around the lifestyle that that might offer. So it is the, um, you know, putting some, I guess, 
boundary around the edge of Ashurst and saying this is as far as we'll go. It's ensuring that we have larger um, larger blocks so people have got backyards, people want to have a lamb. Um, there might be, you know, we were going on daily walks in lockdown like many people and I could walk around Ashurst and see horses, goats, chickens, cows, sheep, um, you know, so so all of that. <laughs> like I wasn't walking for that long either. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> So, so I think you know it's it's actually around the character of the community, and I think that 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 seems to be the my interpretation of what people are after when they talk about the village. It's, it's mm. that feel. It's knowing your neighbours. It's um, you know being able to walk to the shop, walk to the library, walk every everywhere in walking distance. So, so it's that. But we've got this tension, you know, because Ashurst is also quite a young community with lots of young families moving out here um, because. Historically, they've found it more affordable than the city. Um, I don't know whether that's still the case with housing prices everywhere these days, but um, those people are looking for a suburb of Palmy. They're looking for, you know, the 10-minute drive, um, access to all of the services, good local school, good community vibe, but also they want good amenity. They want footpaths. They want shops. They want, you know, they want a certain level of um, service, I guess, and that doesn't necessarily align completely with the village feel. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the tension we're kind of negotiating at the moment. It's a really interesting conversation because I can see both parts. And, you know, I've I've lived in issues for 30 years. So um, I've seen that I've grown up with it as a village and I've seen it kind of growing a little bit into a suburb. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting space to be in. Very cool. Uh, We are here with Alicia Rutherford. We've been talking there about some of the the, the outlying communities in the City Council uh, boundary, in particular Bunnythorpe and Ashurst, but of course others as well. Uh, Moving on, uh, Alicia, have you had a go on a scooter yet? You know, I have not actually had a go on the scooters in Palmy, but I am a regular user of them in Wellington, um, so I know they're the same. But um, certainly, many people in our community have. The numbers coming through are just phenomenal. Four times higher than what they thought usage was going to be. That is pretty cool. Uh, I had a particular question, and I put it to Frederick Conker from Beam Scooters when the launch happened. We had an interview with Frederick, and of course, uh, he had to give a very diplomatic answer because he can't comment on sort of infrastructure and things. <laughs> but um, I, I'm not so sure that I would be up for scootering to Ashurst. But I wonder if some people potentially would if the boundary of the scooter usage was extended, but also there was a move to complete the Ashurst to Palmerston North River walkway so that you don't have to jump on the state highway for a bit. And wondered if this was maybe another string to that argument's bow, that if we got that river walkway completed, then maybe we could see some mode shift to, to maybe in this a nice summer evening doing the commute on a scooter? I, um, you know, I asked him the same question, but in terms of Longburn, because we've got that beautiful sealed pathway that mm. goes out to Longburn, but the boundary doesn't hit there. Um, so council actually set the boundary, um, but absolutely have set it open for negotiation. Um, and so I, I think what we were wanting to do was maybe start a little bit smaller and then work our way out as we sort of knew that, um, you know, those kind of early teething issues had been ironed out and those sorts of things. So um, I think there's lots of opportunity to extend boundaries in, in particular directions. 
Um, in terms of the shared pathway out to Ashurst, it is um, an almost unanimous will of the council to have that completed. And you might recall that about a year ago, yeah, it was just before Christmas, we agreed to um, explore some legal options um, around making that happen because we had a petition presented to us basically to, you know, light a little fire under the council and mm-hmm. get us moving. Um, it's a really, it's a really difficult situation because we have, you know, been trying to negotiate for years and years and years, and and I can tell you, it's one of my biggest frustrations. You know, one of one of the first public council official opening events when I got elected was cutting the ribbon of the Ashes Pathway. Early was it late November, early December, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, it's, it's been a massive bugbear of mine. I've, I've been asking, you know, I, I will have countless emails asking for updates and those kind of things. And and so it's, it has gotten to the point where I think we're kind of, our patience with negotiating is very, very thin. Um, and so we are we are looking at other options um, and basically seeing, you know, the council the council officers have the green light to, to explore those and that's what's happening at the moment. It is um, just guess, what it is just one landowner, isn't it? That is that is uh, no, w- no? Four. four. Four landowners. Are they are yeah. they digging yeah. their heels in just out of a a, a bit of uh, stubbornness or uh, can you see a legitimate reason why they are not releasing what I assume would be a small piece of land uh to to put the walkway in? Yeah, it's really tricky. I, I can totally um, see the point of view of several of the landowners. You know, um, some of them have been quite vocal in the media around, you know, there's um, some that are connected to an organic farm. They're concerned around what their um, their organic status means if they have got people coming onto part of their land. Um, I guess, you know, so we've also, we know that there's a quarry along there, there's big concerns for health and safety um, around, um, I guess, close proximity to quarries, um, heavy vehicles, all sorts of things. So, so I do actually understand that there is concern from individual parties, and I guess that's where it's really tricky for us is because whatever we can do to mitigate, like we want to do that, but you can't get four landowners in the room and kind of, you know, talk to them as a big group because they've all got such niche concerns. And so it, it's not just about negotiating with one party, you know, it's us communicating with four, four different parties, which typically means four different legal councils, our legal council. You know, like it's such a... <laughs> negotiation is such a complicated process. Um, but, yeah, I, I, can, I can honestly tell you that there is a lot of support from um, elected members, a lot of will to see that completed. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, we, <laughs> we have a limited time in our role as elected members and we've, this has got to be one of the things that we get done. Indeed. Uh, we are here with Alicia Rutherford, uh, Deputy Mayor of Palmerston North City Council for the Catch-Up. Remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch-Up series, you can head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Um, let's uh, turn to maybe some slightly more light-hearted things. Uh, Alicia, have you got your copy of Palmerston North Monopoly yet? No, nobody has. It is en route. 
So um, it's almost here, is what I understand. I have absolutely got a copy on pre-order. So um, anybody who hasn't currently um, done a pre-order, you can jump onto the council's website and there's a um, there's a banner, Monopoly banner, and uh, you can click on that and fill out your details. You'll be alerted when they arrive. We, we are, obviously, we're not taking money off people, but we are, um, well... When you buy it, we'll take your money. But um, it's really just, a, I guess, an expression of interest list. So people can, can sign up to that to be alerted and um, no requirement to follow through if that's not feasible. But we'll be selling them from the eyesight when they arrive. I just think this is going to be an awesome... I mean, everybody in Palm is going to be getting Monopoly from their parents, right? That's <laughs> going to be a... <laughs> It's going to be a standard Christmas gift, but um, what a cool gift to um, you know send out to people overseas or around New Zealand or those sorts of things and um, have our own little slice of the monopoly pie. Now, I, I don't know if, if, if you are aware or if it is a closely guarded secret uh, regarding, you know, what streets are, are the brown streets and what streets are the dark blue streets, but, uh, <laughs> and, and that probably is a closely guarded secret, but does Ashurst feature in the monopoly board at all? actually don't know. Ooh. I, I um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, um, Ashes will probably be the dark purple, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I, I suspect it would with the Ashes domain in particular, um, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I do know that places like the Arena and Te Arakotahi, um, absolutely, Te Marauhine, a little feature. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see um, who gets what colour. It'll be very nice, oh, oh, very, very nice over Christmas to uh, sit down to a game of Monopoly and, and fight with your family and pretend to be capitalists, but in a local setting. Um, staying <laughs> with Christmas, uh, the Christmas parade, uh, we, we heard uh, from uh, Wendy Carr from Fielding and District Promotion, uh, the Christmas parade is, is pivoting uh, out at Manfield and uh, it's pivoting in a similar vein in Palmerston North as well. Yeah, so we've moved, um, so the Christmas Parade is on um, the 5th of December, 2 o'clock, and we have moved it from its normal route coming down from railway, ro- uh, railway land to the square and back around. And what we're doing is we're putting it uh, at the CUT Arena. So um, instead of the crowd on the side of the road, what we're doing is we're going to have everyone seated and um, the parade will essentially hit the speedway in a much slower fashion than we typically see. Um, but yeah, so we've done that to ensure that actually we can comply with, um, you know, the concern around, I guess, people moving and card controls will know who's there because people will get tickets. So it's completely free, but you, you get a ticket, um, get tickets online, they're available now. And um, yeah, it, it ensures that we can uh, get the Christmas parade because obviously we've had to lose a couple of other things this year. So um, we're really trying to make this work. Yes, the the, the perennial pandemic uh, issues uh, raising its head. Of course, uh, this is trying to cater for a Christmas parade under an alert level setting. But of course, we've now understood that it's likely we'll be moving to the traffic lights uh, around the, that. I think the third of December was the last time, last date I heard. Um, will that make any difference to how the parade acts under a red traffic light? Because that's what we hear we're going to be moving into. And is there anything else? 
else uh, that people should expect um, that is organised or run by the City Council that we're, the traffic lights may have an impact on? Um, first of all, I'd just like to point out that we went like 20 minutes without actually mentioning the pandemic. We did very um, well. We talked around it. How good did we do? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I, I obviously the... Um, announcement has only just been made um, so I'm trying to get my head around what that actually looks like for some of these large scale events um, our event team will be doing the same working that out so I, I don't know at this stage um, but I guess I can assure you that any changes that we we may need to make um, will absolutely be um, putting out press releases and, and contacting our usual um, sources to, to share that information fingers crossed actually able to be done in a, you know, still in a controlled way and we can still have this. Um, it's, <laughs> it's been a rough year and, and we would love a Christmas parade, I'm sure. So, oh, yes. Um, we'll, we'll do everything we can to make that happen um, if, if possible. Uh, now, listen, this is a sort of flippant thing to talk about, really, but um, I noticed uh, a press release from the City Council. Uh, you are releasing uh, new clips to go on our recycling bins, um, oh, yeah. which, which is actually a really neat idea because I have, I mean, Palmerston North is a windy city and oftentimes you'll see the, the, the black and orange wheelie bins on their side and, and, and rubbish, uh, well, recycling everywhere. This is a, an effort to address that. It, 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 Pretty neat initiative, actually. Yeah, yeah. So our staff, um, our staff came up with this. The amount of time I guess spent cleaning up, um, cycling on the run because of bins that are tipped over and all sorts of things. This, this is just going to pay for itself. It was, it was not a hugely expensive um, initiative, and it's been trialled with some staff. Elected members got given a bin clip in, I think it was August. Um, and I've, I put mine on the day I got it, and I've used it. I, I can tell you, I've come home twice now where my bin has been on its side and shoe because the clip in place. Um, it's, it's fantastic. It will. The biggest, the biggest issue I guess initially was how we were going to roll it out, whether we were going to distribute them or install them ourselves. Um, I think they are a little bit tricky, um, particularly if you've got um, maybe issues with your hands and joints and those kind of things, but we're going to install. We're asking everybody to put their bins out um, every month, I guess, every fortnight until um, your clip has been installed. Uh, and yeah, super easy to use. It'll make it'll make so much difference, particularly to our streets, our you know recycling teams, people who are having to go and pick up. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask about that because if if the, the, the clip is there to keep the bin closed, does that mean the driver has to get out every bin and unclip them before they go into the truck or is there some clever automated process for that? Well, it's actually, so it's like a, um, I mean, I don't know what it's actually made out of, but I'm going to say it's made out of rubber. Don't hold me to that. But it, So it's like a stretchy um, rubber. So when you clip it on to close your lid... As long as your bin is actually half full or just under half full, and if they tip it up, the weight of what the contents inside will just on the lid and it'll release it. Ah, that is clever. Yeah, so, you, so you're not even, nobody is required to get out. And I, I mean, I know about you, but if, if my bin is only a couple of things in it, I'm not going to put it out. No. And so um, <laughs> we go to that effort. 
So if it's half full, we'll pop it out. If it's, you pop it out. Um, and so all we're, all we're saying to people is if you've only got a couple of things in it, just don't pop your bin out that week. Um, start in a fortnight's time. So as long, yeah, as long as it's half full um, and the clip's on it. Very good. Alicia, we are... release itself. Alicia, we are the, the phone line is breaking up a little bit. We'll try and persevere and see if, if we can uh, keep going for another couple of minutes because just wanted, uh, you're obviously uh, quite a, a passionate person when it comes to supporting local and uh, you've got a, a message for people for this summer to, uh, to stay local perhaps as well as support local. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, we've, we've had a really clear message from the government that um, we've moved into a phase of living with COVID. We, we're expecting that it is going to be, I mean, we've already got cases, we've got a couple of cases in the Manawatu already, and we're expecting that actually over summer we will see a lot more of that. Um, there's been some really interesting pieces put out on social media around actually just stay local, not only supporting your local businesses, but we've got you know an amazing array of um, parks, of um, walks, of local reserves, all sorts of things, particularly in the Manawatu, um, beautiful Bahongana Valley to explore. And so actually it's about instead of maybe popping away, um, you know, up north or down south or those kind of things, why not even go and um, secure some accommodation in the city, um, enjoy the CBD, go out exploring locally, lots of Airbnbs, those kind of things. But um, a bit more local means that actually we're not tying up other resources that people do pick up COVID um, and we're, we're sort of, yeah, staying a bit closer to home. Because, I mean, there is the potential for the argument that actually if the borders to Auckland open up before uh, before Christmas or before the summer ends, you know, supporting Auckland could be uh, quite beneficial as well. Yeah, I completely see that point of view. I think my biggest concern is, you know, if we look at how many CU beds we have across CHB are limited numbers, particularly paediatric ICU beds. And so if we've got kids who pick up COVID and they're quite unwell, then we don't want to be tying up, for example, Hawke's Bay or um, other parts of, of the country when we could actually just be staying put and making plans for the following year. Um, I think there's, there's also lots of ways to support Auckland businesses, in particular, you know, purchasing online and those kind of things. Um, buying vouchers for friends who are up there. So I, I think there's lots of ways to support local. Fair enough. Yes, uh, you're, in, of course, entirely right. Uh, Alicia Rutherford, Mayor Tuarua Te Kuna Hera O Papaioi, uh, Deputy Mayor of Palmerston North City Council. Thank you for joining us on the Catch Up this morning. It's a pleasure, Fraser. There we go, uh, Alicia Rutherford uh, joining us on the catch-up this morning. Tomorrow we will be back with Ian McKelvey, MP for Rangitiki. Do join us then, half past eight, on the catch-up on Manawatu People's Radio. Bye for now. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.